Good morning. Almost tripped there. That would have been a great start. <laughs> Kick us right off. Um, I'm really, really happy to be here today. Uh, it was just already so encouraging this morning to to hear and remember uh, how, how God is at work here at this church, um, in this city. And, you know, so much, I could just pick out pieces of what was said this morning, and that would be the message. You know, that would be what I'm here to talk about this morning. And so, uh, John graciously invited me to come and speak uh, this morning and, and really to have a, a moment to think about uh, missions and our, our global outreach, right? And, and I'll share a little bit more uh, specifics about the in, at the end about what Amy and I are going to do. But first, I wanted to talk about uh, something else. Um, and John always brings out these great uh, little illustrations, so I thought I would try myself. And so maybe some of you may know what this is. Um, so this summer, we traveled out to see some friends in Montana, and they introduced us to the game of pickleball. Well, it's embarrassing how much I've talked about it since I've come, <laughs> come back because I've fallen in love with it. I, we played yesterday. We're here on a trip, and we went out and played. And <clears throat> it's just an, a, a natural occurrence, right? I, I went, I played, I experienced it, uh, I loved it. And so now it's just easy, right, for me to go and to talk about it, you know, be in a conversation, to invite someone to play, to, um, it's just a, a like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an ambassador of pickleball, right? <laughs> so because of, you know, my own experience with it. But, you know, oftentimes um, when we talk about missions, it can seem uh, foreign to our own experience, right? Like it's something apart or something reserved for the few. And But what I want to really uh, us to, to think about and to... Uh, reflect on this morning is that really missions is just a reflection of something that's already happening in your heart. And it's really no, no different than the way God, the gospel works in us in the way that the gospel works in the world. Okay, So uh, I'm going to pray for us and, and then we will jump into this, the scripture for the day. Father God, we thank you. God, you are good. And you have graciously brought us into your family. And Father, we thank you that we can have the assurance that you are with us. God, you are with us this morning. God, we have gathered in your name and your presence is here. And we're thankful, Lord, for your word. God, that you have given us your word and your word is living and active. And we can take it and read it and know that you are speaking to us. Father, you've given us your Holy Spirit to remind us of truth and to lead us in truth, Lord. So today, I pray that it would be you speaking to us, Lord, and not me, Father, that I could be um, just a, a messenger of, of your, your word, Father. God, thank you for this church, God, and I just pray that you could use the message today to, for encouragement and just a, a strengthening to continue on in what, what you are already doing among them, Father. God, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the passage that we're going to look at today is in Matthew 9, and I would imagine a fairly familiar passage for, for many of you. Um, so if you want to turn with me, uh, it's Matthew 9, and we're going to start in verse 27. Um, 
If not, you can follow along here on the, on the screen. So uh, let me read this for us. It says, And as Jesus passed on from there, two men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame throughout, through all that district. And then I want to uh, jump down to verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So, you know, we are continually, continually acting on, our, on faith. Um, it may not be faith in the Lord that we're acting on, but we are continually acting out of expectation and hope of something. That is what is driving all of our actions. And what I would say to us today is that what drives our labor at the global level, you know, what drives our labor in the harvest is the same thing that drives change at the heart level, and that's faith. Um, Hebrews 11, a familiar passage, says that you know, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the confidence of things not seen. And you know, it is that hope in the Lord that drives the change in our hearts, and it's that hope in the Lord that drives our labor in the, in the harvest. Um, you know, I was saying that, talking about pickleball and you know it was simply a reflection of something that was important to me and it's a poor metaphor though when comparing it to the greatness and the the work that the Lord does on us internally now I want to make a disclaimer before we go further with the message today and I don't want to come across that I'm simplifying it overly simplifying what we do um, the truth is, James 1, 2 through 4 talks about uh, that our faith will be tested. That um, we should count it all joy when we meet various trials. That, you know, that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness. So, this is not a, it's not simple. It's not linear. You know, it's not something that is, oh, if, well, now that you know, <laughs> you're, you know, it is something that, the Lord often has to bring us back to moments um, where, where he is leading us to act out of faith that we may not get the first time, right? And we come around again to that, um, the, ch the challenge that he is giving us. And so I, I want us to think about that because I would imagine, I know, that each of you could give account of the trials that you may be facing right now, the, the challenges that you're facing. And, but, but really... The work that is going on there is that's what is important. That is the moment that is, that is important. And so, but to better understand um, kind of what we're talking about, I want us to look a little deeper into the passage today. And before we talk about the harvest, I want us to look at, at Jesus. And 
look at how um, the way that Jesus was acting in, in this passage. Um, in the first part there, it says Jesus went, right? Jesus was on the move. We Early on in Matthew, we see that when Jesus began his ministry, it says he began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. And there's a parallel passage right after that, and it says, And he went throughout proclaiming the gospel. So Jesus was on the move. He was going to all sorts of cities, people, encountering all sorts of problems. He was on the move with a purpose. And we know that we are sent out just as Jesus was sent. You know, we can echo Jesus' words when he says in John, uh, in John 5, 17, My Father is working into now, and I am working. We can echo his words that, you know, we are sent out just as he is at work. You know, we are at work. In John 17, when he's praying for his followers, he says um, to the Lord, to, in his prayer, he says, As you, God, sent me into the world, so I have sent them. Right? So just as Jesus was on the move, just as he was sent, we too are sent out into the world. Now, I don't know how that makes you feel, you know, how you respond to that. Um, we were recently at our K group. Uh, we, we had our meeting, it was just a week or so ago, and a dear friend of ours, her son um, did not feel like moving <laughs> that particular night. And our kids come, um, they're part of our group. Um, and so he was, was done for that day, and so he just laid out right there in the kitchen, right? How many of us have experienced that, or at least felt that way, right? And he's just like, I'm done, I'm not moving. And, you know, sometimes the trials that we face can leave us feeling like, I'm, I can't move. I, you know, I, I can't. I can't get. I can't get back up. You know, I can't move. Um, but take heart that we are not alone in what He is calling us to. That we are. It should be an encouragement to all of us that we are stepping into His work that He is doing. Right. That um, that He is always Matthew twenty eight when He gives us the great commission that He says at the end. Uh, that he is always with us, even to the end of the age. You know, I was really struck by, um, you know, your, your purpose as a church. You know, when it says that helping each other know and follow Jesus in our home, city, and the world. And really looking at the next part of the passage, it says Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues. He went throughout. And so... You know, and, and uh, as John read earlier, Acts 1-8, it says, To Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So really, when you think about our going, our going is concentric, right? It, it is something that starts where we are and then builds out from there. Um, I love the, the parable that Jesus gave in Matthew uh, 13 when he says that, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is the largest. It is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. And so you see that the work is small to large, that it is like the mustard seed, the smallest of the seeds, but soon it's a tree, right? And, and it is like the leaven 
in that until it was worked itself out into all of the flower, right? So it's small, it's small to great. It is from inside to out. And we can see that even in how Jesus was at work out, how he moved. Think about the small, intimate encounters that Jesus had. One of my favorite is the story of Zacchaeus, right? Literally, he's small, right? And so, you know, and you see that he met with Zacchaeus. He said, I'm going where? I'm going to your house, right? And so he started small. And so the work of the gospel starts small in us. Right, and then it works itself out from there. And you know, so as when we think about laboring, we need to think small in the sense that we need to say to Jesus, we need to give him run of the house, as the expression is, in our lives. Like open up the door, open up your life, and let him go where he will, where he wishes. Um, as we saw, I had my reading glasses on, I'm getting older, right? I had um double hip replacement a couple years ago, right? And so now, anytime I go, which this is going to be interesting because we're about to be traveling a lot, when I come up to the airport security, I have to say, I'm about to set this thing off, right? Uh, you know, go ahead and search me because it's going to go off. And so every time I have to walk up to them, you know, open my arms up, let them run the wand where they wish. Um, and so I'm giving them, you know, run of the house. And we have to have that kind of attitude before Jesus to say, to start small in our own life, you know, a laborer means that you are giving the gospel room to operate in, in our lives. Um, but what is operating in the next part of the verse there? It says that he was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. You know, and let's, it's always important that we pause and remember what the gospel is. And, you know, so I was thinking about Romans 6.23 you know, that for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That we earned death, but the free gift through Jesus Christ is eternal, is life. That What is it that gives us life? It is not us. It is not our own good works. It is, the, it is, the, is Jesus' sacrifice and covering of us. Um, in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, we're just singing that God is good. God is not our adversary, and sometimes we can treat him that way. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, there's that faith, believes in him, should not perish but have eternal life. Our faith is what brings us into that life, that fullness of, of, of life. And so there is no substitute for the message of the gospel. Our labor is proclaiming the gospel. There's no substitute. There's no other message. There's no other message that tears down the dividing wall between us and God. It is not your good works. It's not your labor that makes you acceptable to the Lord. It is Jesus that does that. There's no substitute for, tears that what, for what tears down the dividing wall between us. So many of the trials are with people, <laughs> right, that we go through. They're in our own homes. They're in our marriages that when we work out our faith um, there with our, with our friends and family as we get into conflict with one another. But there's no substitute for the good news of the gospel. Um, and we need to preach the gospel to ourselves. 
right? We need that, we need that reminder that, um, you know, Tim Keller, he said, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ. We are more sinful and flawed than we ever dared believe. And, you know, the way the gospel works is it shines its light. The truth is it shines its light to see more and more the depth of our sin, right? Um, for me personally, a lot of times that looks what that looks like is me wanting to put on a cover of approval of people acceptance of me. For me wanting to work to make myself look good before others. Um, I re- recently had to have a, a tough conversation at work and I was going in, you know, having to go talk with my boss and I shared it with a friend. I was like, pray for me. You know, I was really nervous. It gets at my uh, natural inclination to want to be approved and you know how that goes, right? And my friend wrote me back and he said, regardless of the outcome, you're, you are a restored son of the sovereign Lord. And I was like, thank you. You know, I need to hear the gospel that my who I am is not based on how she, my boss, treats me in this moment. Of course, she was gracious, and, you know, it, was, it went well. But, I, you know, any moment, I, I, can, I can, my flesh can rear up and, and want that. But I, we have to remind ourselves of, of the gospel and remember the gospel. In Genesis 12, you know, the Lord said to Abram, he says, Go, which we're talking about, go forth from your country. And he says, and I will bless you. So you shall be a blessing. And so our labor is one of proclaiming the gospel that has blessed us. Our blessing is the gospel, and how we bless others is the gospel, right? It, it, there's, there's no other message that we, carry, that we carry with us. We are ambassadors of the good news. But, of course, we carry this in jars of clay, Right? We, are, we carry a treasure in jars of clay, and that treasure illuminates a lot of my shortcomings, a lot of my flaws. But that should be an encouragement to you that when you feel, you know, like our friend that was lying on the floor, like when you feel like not moving to remember that you are not carrying yourself, right? You're not trying to give goodness of yourself. You are giving of the goodness that you have received. Um, we talk a lot in our K group that, you know, we're not called to give advice, really. You know, like that is not what's going to ultimately give the person what they need. We need to give the good news. And, and that should be a great reminder and a weight uh, off our, our shoulders. You know, we can see this inside-out movement of the gospel work in us and the gospel work in the world in Colossians when Paul writes, of this hope, You have heard before in the word of truth the gospel which has come to you. As indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. So our proclamation is authentic. You know, and what does authenticity mean in this? Does it mean that we are just declaring our weakness? No, it means that we are declaring our needed change, and so we are declaring our invitation of God to work uh, throughout our own house, right? Um, it's, it's mirrored in Psalm 139, search me, O God, know me, if, see if there be any false way in me. That 
prayer and in Isaiah 6 when it says, Here I am, send me. Like, notice how similar those two prayers are to the Lord. That we would say, almost in the same breath, search me, know me. Like, God, may, may your gospel be at work in me through your Holy Spirit. And in the same breath, here I am, Lord, send me. So, but I want uh, to think about, you know, uh, again, going back to that, is when you think about the harvest is plentiful, is that, whoa, sorry, <laughs> uh, is that overwhelming? You know, when we think about harvest, we think about labor, those words, is that overwhelming? Is it too much? You know, but when he says the harvest is plentiful, I got really loud, um, that word there, plentiful, it, it's, it's, I was took real interest in it. It means, um, the word is polys, I think is how you say it, which means many, high in number. So it's really an idea of quantity, great in amount. And, um, and, you know, so that can be, that can sound like a burden, you know, that we had this great amount of work to do is what it, what it can sound like. But I want us to parallel that um, and compare it to, you know, we, we hear that the labors are few. Well, that word few there, when you put it up next to plenty, few is the same word that he uses when he talks about having little faith. And so few in this instance, you know, it talks about um, low in quantity. Um, and so it's interesting that those two things are in contrast to one another, the few and the plenty. Well, what it's talking about there, and I took this from um, a, a study guide there, it says that uh, few occurrences are applications of faith. Um, in the, and so little faith describes someone dull to hearing the Lord's voice or disinterested in walking intimately with him. In contrast, the goal of life is to receive, obey the Lord's gift of faith in each scene of life. And if you hear anything today, right, this is my main point. That in each scene of life that we would, ex we would walk by faith, that we would express that faith. I don't know, that just grabbed me so much this week. Um, you know, I don't, we're, Amy and I were talking about it. I don't know if it is our, uh, this season of life we're in, this age, in other words, um, that, you know, we have many friends who are dealing with serious sickness. You know, uh, we have battling different types of cancer. We have friends that are involved in um, court cases and broken family relationships, job loss, all these different big Think scenes. If you think about, you know, in the movie, this movie scene, like these are the big, the big scenes. But you know, at the same time, we were talking with a, a young couple this week that are um, doing some premarital uh, counseling with them, and the, um, the 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 book that we're using it talked about the mundane, how our marriage is really shaped in the mundane. You know, it's the little little moments that that shapes it, and. We need to think about the scenes in the day-to-day, -day, right? In that we, would, we are called to walk by faith in the day-to-day. -day. You know, that um, a small conversation with a friend that you may be nervous about or, um, you know, those little, little moments, the, the moments of forgiveness that you're offering a friend, the, you know, those are the scenes where we are called to walk by faith. 
and it really gets back to the, uh, as we were trekking with what, the way Jesus is walking this out, when it says that he was healing every disease and every affliction. Like, man, we should take heart in that, right? Because we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He has, you know, been tempted in every way as we have. He has walked into each and every one of these, of these moments. Um, and, you know, to, to remember, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared bef- in advance, beforehand, for us to walk into. So, you know, my question for me and for us is that, you know, the, the harvest is plentiful because the Lord is at work, right? And in, in this, the work the Lord is doing, which is great in number, are our occurrences, applications, our scenes of faith, are they many or are they few? Right? So the Lord's work is many in number, in quantity. The harvest is plentiful, but is our labor few? Right? Or our, is our faith small? And, and so, and remember that the, how does the gospel work? The gospel works small to great. It starts as a mustard seed. It starts as a little bit of leaven in the flour, right? And so we are, you know, are we seeing the unseen in that small moment? Are we assured of things hoped for? That is what is going to dictate that small to great walking it out. Um, And so, you know, at this point in the passage, um, and at this point in the sermon, really, you're kind of expecting this big, Go, you know, let's go, let's go, let's go. But Jesus, as is his way, flips it on us. And he says, you know, and in then in the, follows up the harvest is plentiful with, therefore, pray earnestly. Right? And, you know, I, I just was really taken by that because, you know, you, I was expecting, like, so I'm sending you out. And, but he says, pray earnestly. And I think, you know, I was trying to comprehend you know what's going on there and really it goes back and reflects earlier in the passage what did Jesus say when the the blind men came to him and asked to be healed he asked them he said do you believe I'm able to do this do you believe I'm able to do this and so he put them in a position of asking right he he put them in a position of trusting and what a reminder for us that it is his harvest. He is Lord of the harvest. He sends the workers. Um, the harvest is plentiful because he is at work. He does the work. We are just sharing. We're just ambassadors testifying to the work that he is doing in us. Even our compassion. You know, we didn't get to get to it today, but, you know, he, he was, saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them. But even our compassion is his, is his heart. That is what he, that is, that is his. So wrapping up today, you know, I want us to think about that faith in every scene. And, you know, as Amy and I are looking to go to Brazil, um, this is a, you know, I told a group of people yesterday that this is not an ideal time to go, right? This is not Maybe not the normal time. When we went the first time to Brazil, um, those of you may not know our story, we were coming out of college. 
just graduated, have been involved in the college ministry, simple lives, lots of zeal, and it was just like, yeah, let's go to Brazil. You know, that should be pretty, you know, easy. And, of course, the Lord tested us through that. But, man, this time around, we are feeling all the, uh, you know, the miles that we have put on, you know. And um, it's, we're feeling the, the, the different dynamic of going as a family and, you know, all of these different things. But we're also seeing that, you know, we're going as to testify and so there is real value in testifying at this stage, at this scene of life. Um, you know, we Mitch prayed earlier for the church there, and they're, they're having a church retreat today. Like right now as we are meeting, they are meeting with their church uh, on a church retreat. And if you can imagine, um, think for a second, you know, we have a body here who of generations, right, and all different um, trajectories toward the Lord. Many of us can give testimony to um, our parents' faith and how that's impacted us. Um, we can give testimony to growing up in a church, things like that. Imagine a church full of first-generation believers, right? That these, um, and it's really, it's not true of every church there in Brazil, of course, but our church, since it started, was birthed through a college ministry. It was birthed through um, you know, guys and girls whose parents were not believers and, you know, who are encountering Christ for the first time. And so, uh, you know, our hope is that as we go down um, at this stage of life, that we can be an encouragement to them. You know, that, um, that it's been our desire to come alongside them and strengthen them. We were invited back. What really kicked this off for us, and I shared this um, maybe a month or so ago here at Grace, is that we were invited back to speak at a marriage retreat. And so, I mean, you can imagine what an experience this was for me. Like, here I am looking across the table at Bernardo, who came to Christ when he was freshman, sophomore in college, and he's sitting next to his wife who's about to have a child. You know, it's like still in the church, still walking with the Lord, next to Francival, his classmate who also came to the Lord, who's expecting their second child. You know, but they're like, hey, we're just having to figure this out, right? You know, we don't have many to look at to see how this goes. And, you know, not that it's not us, right? I'm bringing the gospel and trying to share in my scenes of life how we've sought to, to apply the gospel. So in application, you know, our hope is to see the gospel transform lives in Brazil. And as it transforms the, this, the lives of this church, that laborers would be sent out, that Brazilians would be sent out, just like Alan, who I know you guys pray for, that's in Manchester, England now, you know, that more laborers would be sent out. You know, we have yet to see the, the ministry on campus. While it's been fruitful, we've experienced many setbacks in seeing Brazilians take the lead. We've yet to see it reproduced to another campus. And we, we see that the church, I mean, these families are vital to the multiplication uh, of that ministry. Um, our prayer for Grace Church is for transformed lives, the same, in the same way. Um, you know, I was really, I was talking with Mitch uh, Escobar yesterday and about the ESL ministry. And what a great example of what we're talking about today, that as the gospel is at work in you, 
then you turn and, and serve in a way that is pouring out the gospel to others, right? And that's, we're just going a little further, right? We're just going a little bit further to do the same, to testify in the same way. But, and really, I'm, uh, I'm a testimony to that going on here at Grace for decades, right? I mean, decades that this has been going on here at Grace and that I am being sent out because of the gospel work from small to, to great. So our, our part is to demonstrate faith in every scene. And let me just speak for a second to those of you that are older. Um, this lends itself to discipleship. And this lends itself of giving testimony of your scenes of life that you've experienced to those that are younger. And there's a, there's a, a, a gap there to be bridged, you know, both on both parts. Um, for the younger, you need to accept those that come with wounds and have made mistakes, right? And to receive their testimony. And, you know, and, in, and for the, the older, we need to remember that we're not testifying of ourselves, but we're testifying of the Lord's work in us. And so we need that constant giving back and forth um, between, between one another. And so let's ask, you know, God, what are you doing in me? How can I respond by faith? And then what are you doing around me? And how can I respond by faith? You know, search me and send me. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that we are carrying forward a message of hope. God, God we're not carrying forward the law. God, we're not carrying forward rules. We're not carrying forward some great seven-step plan so that you'll have success in life. Father, we're carrying forward the words of life that you have graciously given us in your son. God, we are staking our claim. We are setting our feet firmly on at the cross that our new life was born there, was born at the covering of, of Christ over us. So send us out, Lord. Give, I pray that you would give us courage to open up ourselves to you and to open up our plans to your plans. We thank you that the harvest is plentiful because you go before us and you are a rear guard. You hem us in, Father. God, we thank you. I thank you for Grace Church. God, I thank you that you are at work here. It's you, Father, and pray for that to continue, Father. God, here. God, we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you stand with us?